Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is January 13th. I am David Gasper, joined by co-host Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. In this week's episode, we're going to discuss the latest brewer signings, some Ryan Braun news, and the upcoming arbitration deadline. Uh, Matt, always good to see you once again every single week. What beer you got over there today? Oh, we're going classic today. It is time for the, to live the high life, a champagne yeah. of beers, Miller High Life. Just just felt like the right move today. Yeah, going for the high life on a Wednesday. I'm not quite in the high life. I'm still with my plain old classic Miller Lite. We're gonna but, we're gonna have to get you sponsored or something like that. I mean, you 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 do yeah. put a lot of revenue into their company. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just so good, you know. It's Plus, true. I have a whole bunch of it still in the fridge that I need to drink, so uh-huh. it works out. There yeah. If anyone wants to send me some different beers, if there are any beer makers, any any brewers out there that wants want their own beers, um, you can you can contact me at dgasper24 on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> or you can DM myself. Feel free to or send DM, me a six pack or the Cold Brew Podcast or yeah. any number of venues. Yeah. Feel free to send it to both of us, either of us. You know, we'll gladly take a six pack or something. Uh, yeah, so. I still got plenty of plenty of Miller Lite to go through. So let's get into uh, what's been happening. The Brewers have shown signs of life uh, in terms of the the free agent market. It's it's a very small sign. It's just a slight pulse, um, but it, it's weak. But it's there, and you, and the Brewers are doing something. They made a couple of signings. Um, First of all, let's talk Daniel Robertson because he signed a major league deal and he's a new addition to the Brewers. Robertson uh, was with the Rays for a couple of years. He was actually part of the Ben Zobris trade back in 2015, um, going from Oakland to Tampa Bay. And he had a couple of decent years as a, as a backup uh, utility guy over there. Uh, then he got traded for cash to the Giants uh, this past year in 2020. Played a handful of games for the Giants, 13, I think it was, and you know had decent numbers in 13 games, as, as decent, I guess, as you can. I think he hit like 333. Uh, but now as a free agent, he signs a major league deal for 900000 uh with the Brewers. Uh, Matt, what was your first reaction when you saw the Brewers sign Daniel Robertson? Uh, my... First reaction was to look him up so I could figure out who he was. <laughs> um, and then um, it was, it's, oh, look, another uh, multifunctional infielder, outfielder, just that classic Stearns move. Um, a lot of the guys that outside of catchers that we seem to be kind of uh, piling up on in either the majors or the minors this offseason, um, he has played in just about every position, I believe, except for... Oh, no, he did have a couple pitching appearances. Um, there so he's we go. literally every position except for catcher only. And center field, actually. Go figure. Um, so he's played a little bit all over the diamonds. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I guess, if anything, the first thing I was surprised about was that it was a major league contract for a guy with no options. Um, so he's, you know... He's here. Like, he's our utility infielder. Um, 
So, I mean, they, you know, they do their Stern says homework on guys. So um, I'm assuming that he sees something there that he feels is worth to keep around, um, you know, long term throughout this season. And that said, it also is just a, you know, $900,000 contract with incentives. So it's not, you know, the most expensive thing if they decide to go a different direction. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's... it, it's what? also not a fully guaranteed contract, um, according to the reports I've seen. So, you know, I think they would be able to cut them in spring training if they wanted to, um, and, and they wouldn't be on the hook for the full 900000 Uh But, I mean, looking at the utility options that the Brewers already have, I mean, you look at Mark Mathias, you look at Billy McKinney, um, you know, you look at the guys that, you're just like, okay, like the, these are kind of going to be the utility guys. It's like, is Robertson an upgrade over them? And, I mean, you could I, you could certainly make that case that Daniel Robertson is an upgrade over Mark Mathias. They, they do pretty much the same thing, but Robertson uh, has a bigger track record at the big league level. He had a two-and-a-half war season in 2018 with Tampa Bay. Um, it, it, was, it was only 87 games, but, you know, he did pretty well. And he had a 122 OPS plus that year. So he's he's shown some some potential, but at at the same time, in all the other seasons in in his career in 2017 and 2019 and 2020, according to Fangraphs, he's been worth a grand total of 0.0 WAR. He is the epitome of a replacement level player, and that that's really just kind of what he's going to be. He's going to be the replacement. He's going to be the utility guy. Uh, Mark Mathias has options, so the Brewers could could keep him around and. Um, they could just stash him at AAA, and and they can keep Robertson around at the big league level and see if he can turn into something. Um, but you know, I think the thing that you know, I had the same same reaction as you when I saw a signing. I'm like, who in the hell is David or Daniel Robertson? See, I I keep on messing up his name. Like it's just like I, I don't I don't know, man. Um, yeah, Daniel Robertson is just. I've seen people being like, oh, like this better not be the plan as a starter. And, and if he's a starter, then, you know, we're like, he's not the starter. Like, yeah, he signed a major league deal. Uh, but Daniel Robertson is is not going to be the, the starting third baseman or the starting first baseman. The, the Brewers aren't going to be doing that. And just because they haven't signed someone else uh, to be the starter at this point doesn't mean that it's going to be Daniel Robertson. Currently, he might be on on the top of the depth chart or second behind Luis Urias, but he's not going to be the guy there going forward. No, I mean, Robertson, no, he's not the answer here. But did the Brewers make another signing recently that could be the answer? An old friend from last year? Like a riot? No, no, that's not what just happened. <laughs> um, Jace Peterson, my uh, absolute favorite. He is back yeah. on a minor league contract, though, luckily. Um, Jace Peterson, who, as we know, um, did get plenty of walks. He was good for that. Um, and, well, pretty much that. Um, so the Brewers do have him back as well um, on a minor league deal with an invite to uh, spring training. David, your thoughts? Oh, man. When I saw that this morning, I was so pissed. Like, seriously, like, the best quality Jace Peterson has is not swinging the bat. Think about that. As a hitter, his best quality at the plate (laughs) is not swinging. 
that that's when he brings the most value when he doesn't swing like it's just it's not I I, I, don't, I don't really get it. like you you bring in Robertson you have Matthias you have McKinney you have you know plenty of guys there that are younger guys that have I mean Matthias has options McKinney has options you got Tim Lopes he's got yeah. options Mm-hmm. and they decide to sign Jace Peterson. Like, why? Why? I don't get it. Like, I try to be, like, you know, a positive person on all, the, like, all these things on Twitter. It's like, oh, yeah, just kind of, you know, like, trust the, the moves or whatever. Like, there's, there's going to be something. Like, we'll be fine. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out why the Brewers want to bring back Jace Peterson. Like, yes, it's just a minors deal with a non-roster invite. They could cut him at, you know, when it gets to the end of camp. But what's the point? And like he's 31, you know what he is as a player. Like he he's always just kind of been a mediocre big leaguer. Like he's never hit well. He's never there was never one year where he was really good. It's like oh maybe there's some promise there that if we could just get to that he'll be fine. There was never any of that. Like he's always been a low 200s type hitter, and I still can't figure out how t- how guys were walking him. All last year, he drew 15 walks. He had 61 plate appearances. He drew a walk nearly a quarter of the time. Like, I remember when I was, like, playing, like, you know, as a kid, like, you know, fifth, sixth, you know, whatever grade. There was this kid who would not swing at anything. He was so scared getting up to the plate. Like, you could tell, like, his parents just kind of made him play. He didn't want to play. He was not a good hitter. He didn't swing at anything. And you could just throw anything over the heart of the plate and you could strike him out. And yet this kid walked all the time. And it's like, it's just, it was mind boggling. And I, I, I don't get how such a non-threatening hitter such as Jace Peterson is drawing all these walks. And I still don't understand why the Brewers would be like, oh yeah, like let's, let's just bring him back. And, and just, you know, just throw him up there and just hope for a walk. Like, he's not going to repeat his 24.6% walk rate in 2021. <laughs> it's not, it is unsustainable. And I I just, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Uh, true story. The, all those walks gave him the first OPS plus over 100 of his entire career. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But that goes to speak to the rest of his career. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's the the name recognition with him that actually makes it like almost sting a little bit more because with all these other guys, they're at least like new guys to the organization, so you're fine when a bunch of them are minor league deals because you don't know really fully what their potential is. You can read up on their stats. You can say, hey, this guy could contribute at X position somewhere down the road. Um, but if it's if you're bringing a guy back. You want it to be like that Ryan Braun, or you want it to be Jed Jerko, who a lot of fans want to see come back mm-hmm. this offseason. You want it to be someone that gives you at least a little bit of excitement, <laughs> and we get Jace Peterson. And it's almost like it's almost just signifies how this offseason has gone for the Brewers so far. Like that, that's what we have at this point to wake up. Two in the more or in the afternoon to news is oh yay we got Jace Peterson back but uh, hmm. yep I, I I I agree with all points I've I've made that rant myself last year Lord knows 
Yeah, it's just something that I, I really don't um, get. Like, I, I guess that they like him. Obviously, the the Brewers front office and, and coaching staff, or whatever, like him. You know, maybe he's he's a nice clubhouse guy, but in terms of added value on the field, I mean, it, it just kind of seems like a repeat of last year where they just got a whole bunch of guys that are redundant at, at positions, kind of redundant things, and just kind of trying to platoon and match their way through a season and, you know, trying to basically get something that's uh, something that's better than the sum of its parts mm-hmm. and just hoping that sort of combination works again, even though it didn't work in 2020. Um, but but you could also blame that on the shortened season and, and all the circumstances around uh, the 60-game season that the league had. But I, I think really just kind of doubling down on the same thing and just getting the Daniel Robertsons and Jace Petersons and Tim Lopes um, all together, it doesn't really – it doesn't make the team better. And right. really what they need to look to do is make the team better heading into 2021. And these moves don't do that. And it it's it might just make your utility infield spot, you know, that much, that slightly little bit better. Uh, but it really doesn't it doesn't move any sort of, of needle. And it, it really doesn't uh, add that much uh, to the roster, um, not as much as perhaps, you know, Ryan Braun coming back would, even though Ryan Braun mm-hmm. would be a part time guy. Uh, if he does come back, but um, there there was reports earlier this week that you know well essentially it's really kind of no news on Ryan Braun uh, that they have not really um, talked to him or really gotten anything that the Brewers are giving him space to try to um, make his decision. He wants to see what the world looks like uh, in 2021, which I mean if you're looking at the world at large, I, I think retirement is the best option yeah 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 i mean we're we're all hoping uh and and, hey i mean we could again still use some offense for next year um again this all just relies on the designated hitter and we still haven't heard anything um there was an interesting uh tweet put out today i believe danny vietti was the one who posted it but it was about ken rosenthal on I think it was MLB Network, saying that he believes that there will be an NLDH in 2021. And that's all well and good. Ken Rosenthal, we all know, is one of the most connected guys in all of Major League Baseball. So if he believes that, I'd have to imagine it carries some weight. But it'd be really nice for them to actually decide whether that not that's going to be a thing so, I mean, for us as fans, we can know whether or not Ryan Braun potentially could be coming back to the team, but also to settle, you know, a lot of these other issues, uh, what actually happens with Vogelbach. And then on that note, what you, the final plan ends up being for first base. And, you know, clearly there's a lot of dominoes that end up falling with this. But if things were to stay where they are, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I were Ryan Braun, I've had a good career at this point. I know the injuries are creeping up. Um, Retirement sure would sound like a nice option, especially considering the family and the fact that it seems like the situation of the world with the pandemic and whatnot sure don't feel like they're going away soon. I know there's a vaccine, but I mean, mean, there's no feeling that it's been 
accelerating this disappearing. Yeah, it's something that um, it's really kind of weird with how MLB is has been going about this because I mean that like you said with the DH that's really I think going to be the deciding factor because if Braun has to play in the field the whole time just to get in the lineup I don't think Braun's going to come back mm-hmm. I think he would only do it if there's a DH um, and then you'd have to look at you know everything else if he wants to come back so just having the DH is no guarantee that Braun's going to come back but if there isn't one then I'm pretty sure it's a guarantee that he's not going to come back. Uh, and, and not having that kind of clarity, it's holding up Braun's decision, and it, it's really kind of holding up the rest of the corner infield market and a lot of the free agent market. And for everyone that, that's just, you know, like, why can't the Brewers just sign a, a starting first baseman or, or sign all, all these guys? It's like they still need clarity on if, a, on if there's going to be a DH or not because a lot of these first basemen are also DH types. And, you know, they, they kind of need to know if that possibility is going to be there so they can know basically how much money to offer them. If the DH is there, then they can maybe offer these guys a little bit more money because they know that they can keep them in the lineup just about every single day. If it's not there, they're going to want to offer them less money. And then those DH types may end up going to the American League. And it's holding up the entire corner infield market. Um, really, you know, th- there's no rush at the moment to to sign any of these cor- any of these corner infielders. There's no rush to sign a CJ Crone or a Mitch Moreland or a Michael Franco or really kind of any of these guys. They're all just sitting out there in the free agent market because they're waiting to see whether or not there's going to be the DH, and there's been no clarity on that. But that's something that you can just make that decision, and that can just be final for the whole thing. But in the meantime, MLB is, has announced that, oh, we're going to start the season on time. We're going to play a full 162 games. We got, you know, all this stuff for, for fans coming out and, and having fans in, in the stadiums. But those are things that could be subject to change based on how things roll out over the next couple of months. But they can't make a decision on the <laughs> DH where that's not going to be subject to change based on what happens elsewhere in the world. Like, like you can just make that decision, it's done, boom, and, and you can just go with it. You can make this decision on, on playing the full full season, starting spring training on time, but there are factors that could make that change. So it's really, I, I, don't, I don't get what MLB is doing here. Yeah, and again, you know, I mentioned this on a previous episode, but you know, the biggest thing about it isn't, you know, us as fans or the Brewers as an organization, how much of a pain in the butt it is for them. It's those players. Those players are now, and like you said, not just the sole DH type players, the entire corner infield market is on hold right now. And you have to imagine a lot of it is because this designated hitter decision has not been made by the league and the players association. So it's you have to feel for them because it's the 13th right now. Um, last year, pitchers and catchers reported on, I believe it was the 13th, because that's my birthday in February. I would remember such a thing. Um, <laughs> but that's a month away from now. If everything is truly starting on time, that means pitchers and catchers report a month from now. And teams aren't able to solidify their roster because of something that the league could get settled very easily? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <sighs> it's frustrating. It's, it's insane. And when we had Matt Pauley on last week, you know, we were, we were basically talking about this whole thing. It's like, how can you 
be going this long. We're into the middle of January and we don't have the basic rules set for the roster. Like that, that's something that should have been decided by the end of the world series mm-hmm. or shortly after the end of the world series. Like you can't go into free agency and go into all these big uh, things and, and make these big offseason decisions without knowing a key part of this. Like last year, it, it was a special occasion. Just, just adding the DH bef- without NL teams having a way to plan for it. Because if, if NL teams knew that was coming in 2020, they would have acted differently in the off season. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is something where you can give them that opportunity to plan for it in the off season and the league is not doing it. And they can't come to an agreement with the players association because those two are just at bitter odds with each other, apparently. And it's just, it's hurting the game in, in so many ways. It's hurting the players. It's hurting the front offices because they don't, they can't make any sort of decisions. And because the off season is, is going super slowly because of all this, it's hurting the game itself because fans are, are getting disinterested because there's no off season movement and the NBA is going on. Now the NHL is starting and you got college basketball, you've had college football and everything's just kind of, there, there's been nothing baseball wise. Yeah. It, and I mean, all that said, Again, what it comes down to, we started this all talking about Ryan Braun, and it sure would be nice if they could get this DH thing figured out so we can tell for sure whether or not he's going to be a brewer. We don't, none of us want to believe that we've seen the last of him in a brewer uniform. I know they don't, they don't want him being pulled from a game to be his last memory as a brewer, but until they figure something out, we're just going to be still kind of in this holding pattern. And that's by no fault of Ryan Braun's by any means. Like, I don't think anyone's blaming him for that right now. Um, I'm throwing this all on Rob Manfred, our absolute favorite person in the world. (laughs) He could, you know, if if he ever wants to come onto the podcast and uh, speak his piece, by all means, we'll have you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know if he'd ever want to come on a second time. but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. Uh, perhaps not. I don't think the first one's going to go that well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like th- this is really because from the reports I've seen, Rob Manfred is basically trying to tie the DH to expanded playoffs or, or some other thing to kind of make it a negotiating ploy instead of just kind of doing something for the actual good of the game. Because both sides want it. The the league wants to have the NLDH. The players want the NLDH. And it, it really just kind of the, the only thing stopping it is Manfred asking for something else in return. And, you know, I get I get it. It's, you know, a negotiating thing wants to put the league in a in a stronger position or whatever for uh, the, the CBA negotiations that are coming up. And, you know, why give up something for for nothing when you can get something back for it? And I get that. But at the same time, you also have to look at really just kind of doing something for the overall good of the game. Uh, not everything has to be a trade-off. And it, it would really kind of put some good faith between the league and the Players Association, which is something that is extremely lacking right now. Yeah, not to mention um, the league I took a hit last year. We talked about it uh, last week on the podcast about how they could have been the first sport to come back. And then through all the bickering through all the bickering through social media, basically, um, that ended up not happening, um, or at least not the way that it should have. 
And so just from a, you know, growing the game standpoint and gaining fans and whatnot, they could stand to bounce back from that. And so to, again, just make everything about just a negotiation instead of just growing the game, doing things for the good of the game. And again, this is, this is not going to be a normal season either. It's not going to be a 2020 season. Don't get me wrong, but these stadiums aren't going to be full. There's still going to be COVID protocols that the players have to follow. Like there, this is going to be abnormal too, just hopefully less so than 2020. So do what needs to be done to get through this season. And then I, I get it. Like that's, you know, he's in a job where he needs to worry about the future, but I mean, we just, we just want to see baseball. We want to see a good team. We maybe want to see a DH, but we, as Brewers fans want to at least see a full roster and know what that's going to be. So I just worry about 2021 at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of concerns really kind of with, with the situation baseball's in because, I mean, you, you have this season, which is going to be abnormal. They haven't said exactly what kind of capacity of fans that they're going to allow at stadiums. I imagine that's some that they're going to look at later as we get closer to April and the season beginning and, and where things are at. Um, but, you know, they talked about how it's going to be kind of like pod seating. You're going to have to have masks um, on all the time inside the stadium unless you're eating or drinking. Uh, to which a lot of Brewers fans might say, you know what, I'm just going to be drinking the whole time. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I mean, that's that, that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, like it, it's going to be probably something like you know maybe 25% capacity. And you know even though it's it, it's something you know it's great and, and you're but you're not going to have 40,000 right off the bat. Uh, that, that's not going to be something till later in the year most likely. Uh, if it happens at all in 2021, and even then, it's still going to be depressed revenues, and then you head into CBA negotiations because the collective bargaining agreement expires a- at the end of the 2021 season, and then there's all this animosity between the two sides, and they're going to be fighting over money, and there's not as much money to fight over, so the fight's just going to get even tougher, and if it leads to a lockout or a strike then that's also less baseball that, that people get to see in 2022. And then you got three straight years of less baseball than normal and a whole lot of public bickering and animosity. And it's really just kind of a, a very sticky situation for the game that the league really just kind of has to thread the needle. Both sides really kind of have to thread the needle uh, through this next year or two to ensure baseball is in a good spot going forward. And right now, I don't, I don't think they're on track to thread that needle. No, I'm honestly, I'm still trying to get over the drinking all the time comment from because that's my strategy, <laughs> with or without masks. So, oh, I mean, yeah. really, I guess my baseball experience doesn't change that much outside of not being able to high five as many random strangers. Yeah. I miss that part too, man. Like going to like the postseason games and and just kind of like you know whenever anything happens, just all the people around you just just high fiving and mm-hmm. and everything like just in, enjoying the game and, and enjoying being there with with other people just rooting for the same team. You know, it, it's an experience that I think all of us really kind of took for granted uh, before and now. Like whenever whenever sports stadiums do get back to full 100% capacity. 
I've, 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 I've a feeling there's going to be a lot of sellouts and it, it oh, is yeah. going to be at a hundred percent capacity for, for quite a while. Yeah, I hope so. And hopefully that uh, bounces the Brewers payroll back up, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they already have to pay Christian Yelich, so they might as well have the money to afford him and afford a decent supporting cast for him. Um, yeah. Speaking of supporting cast, a couple of guys of that, on that supporting cast are arbitration eligible this year, Brandon Woodruff and Josh Hader. They were the only two brewers that were arb eligible that did not uh, agree to a deal to a settlement uh, prior to the non-tender deadline. Guys like Orlando Arcee and Daniel Vogelbach did, but uh, there's no threat of a non-tender for Woodruff and Hader, so they just simply got tendered a contract. And the arbitration filing deadline is Friday, the 15th. So by the end of the day there, both sides are going to have to either come to an agreement or they're going to have to file for the salary that they believe they deserve. Woodruff will file for one number, the Brewers will file for another. Hader will file for one number, and the, and the Brewers will file for another. Uh, last year, Josh Hader went to an arbitration hearing. Josh Hader lost somehow, uh, but he he did. He did lose, um, and he got about $4.1 million, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And now Woodruff is going to arbitration for the first time. And the, Woodruff is projected around $3.5 million. Hader's projected around six. million. Uh, so... Uh, Matt, I'll ask you, wh- what do you think is going to happen with these two? Do you think that they're going to come to an agreement on Friday, or do you think they're going to f- simply file the numbers and possibly head towards a trial? I mean, I certainly hope they come to an agreement, um, especially after kind of how the Josh Hader situation went down last year. And it wasn't, I, again, the way they described it, and we've touched on this before, too, um, was, wasn't was so much that there was any bad blood between Hader and the Brewers. It was more just, you know, kind of the process and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that uh, last year, Josh Hader um, filed at 6.4, um, and he ended up getting 4.1. And that's actually pretty darn close to the range again this year that uh, MLB Trade Rumors has him at. They have him anywhere from 4.5 to 6.8. So, kind of both of those levels shift up a little bit. And again, their projections this year are based off of a number of factors saying that based, you know, how the 2020 season went, these are the few different um, numbers that a player could possibly be projected for, whereas normally they have one solid number. Um, So I think it's interesting that, you know, they're looking to avoid a last off season situation with Hader. And here we are again at, pretty darn close to the same potential range for him. I would hope based off of that, that they're trying to avoid that situation. Um, and, and that's just talking about Hater. We now have Woodruff who they have um, pegged anywhere from 2.3 to 4.5. So he has a little bit of a range as well. Um, I would like to think that it's going to be another one of those kind of 11th hour, you know, there we go. There's the agreement. Brewers are out of the water. Um Maybe that's just my hopefulness talking, Um, but that's I I guess that's what it's kind of, you know, everything in the non-tender deadline for the most part outside of these two, you know, went down on at the last second. Um, They take their time to make sure that they have all their numbers in order. And 
um, before they make their move. The Brewers have always been that way. So um, that's what I'm hopefully expecting. Yeah, you're a bit more on the optimistic side. I'm actually Uh-oh. going to be – I'm normally an optimistic person, but uh, I'm going to be on the pessimistic side for this one. I don't think either one is going to agree to a deal. Oh. Um, I, I think, you know, with Hader last year, um, you know, going through the process and um, being a little kind of upset at it, and the argument the Brewers used was his saves numbers. And, you know, even though, like, that's really kind of not the whole thing, arbitration kind of has an archaic focus on – you know, just racking up saved numbers or win numbers or, or whatever. Um, but because he didn't have those big save numbers, because um, he only spent about one year as the closer at that time, uh, it, it, it led to him losing uh, that argument and losing that case. But in 2020, Josh Hader led the league in saves. Yes, he did. So... Because of that, I think he might feel a bit more confident and be like, even though it was only 13 saves because, you know, it was a shorter season, but it's like, hey, I led the league in saves. You know, if this was a full season, you know, I'd, I'd probably have like 40 or something. You know, you, you project it out or, or whatever the number comes to. Um, so that could help Hater in this case. And, and you know, his agents, that that's what they're going to present. Um, so I think Hater might be a bit more willing to go to arbitration uh, once again. And Woodruff... You know, I, I think he might be more likely to uh, sign a, a deal beforehand. But, I mean, he's also a guy that I could see, you know, just kind of wanting to to let the process play out and, and see what it shows. Um, but with, with the Brewers really, I, I think the Brewers are going to be trying to play uh, hardball in these negotiations to save every penny that they can. So they're probably going to be lowballing um, both of these guys in, in terms of the money that they offer in, in a deal. So in, in that case, uh, I think it's going to be low enough that Woodruff be like, you know what, I'll take my chances in arbitration. Um, and, and that's really just kind of uh, going to be where it's at. And and maybe when it gets to uh, spring training, maybe the Brewers explore an extension with Woodruff and, and try to do something there. But I think when it comes to, to Friday, to the deadline, that there's a good chance that Woodruff um, isn't going to sign a deal. I, hey, I'd be all for a surprise extension announcement at the end of this week, actually, for Woodruff. I, yeah, mean, I don't think that, it's going to be at the end of this week, maybe sometime yeah. in spring training. But I mean, just yeah. you, you know what? We need some news. Could he, give well, give well, us the Brewers, this, please. Last year. The Brewers um, filed with Brent Suter for arbitration. And then before the hearing, they signed him to a contract extension Mm -hmm. to a two-year deal. So they're able to avoid it there. So it's it's something that's possible. They they could just file it and then before the hearing, work on a deal. But uh, I think Woodruff's is going to be a bit more complicated than Brent Suter's contract. Yeah, no, but see, here's the thing. I want my extension news now. Because all I've gotten so far is Jace Peterson news. So yeah, uh, if we can do that by the end of the week, then and that's be great. why we David drink Stearns. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, uh, Jace Peterson. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh man, watch! All of a sudden he'll just like go off or something. He'll have like the greatest <laughs> spring training or whatever, and he'll make the team, and and all of a sudden he'll be a, a starter, and he'll be hitting what like. Now he probably won't be hitting well. He'll probably just be drawing a whole bunch of walks again. Um, yep, yep. But he'll be drawing yeah. them real hard. Oh yeah, he's gonna be drawing those walks so good. 
Oh man, this is what we got to talk about, people. Yeah, Jason it's been Peterson a slow works. off season. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like I understand why it's been slow, but like it, it's frustrating. Like you know, we we went through all of December there. You know, we're we're talking about you know guys they could go after, and you know these guys could be fits, and they could oh they could get this guy and that guy, and and make trades here and there, and and out all these things and. You know, you feel like you go through most of the decent options and now it's just kind of like looking at it's like, like how much more can you talk about, you know, oh, could they go get, you know, this guy? Because, I mean, you don't want to sound like a broken record. And, and if you do it for two months, it's like, you know, either it's going to happen or it's not. And, you know, I, I wrote about Mike Fires the other day, like, could he be a rotation addition? I remember, I remember talking about that on here. I think it was last week. On the so. podcast, um, I was talking about, yeah, I was talking about fires. And it's like, could he be a rotation addition? And I was writing the article, and like uh, halfway through, as I was like looking at his numbers and everything, I'm like, man, this actually would not be a super great move. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> but I've already written this thing. <laughs> and I mean, like, because just like looking at fires, like, yes, he could be somewhat similar to a Brett Anderson where he'll be a veteran guy at the back end of the rotation that, you know, can provide some leadership that'll be, you know, maybe a late or or an upper threes, low fours ERA uh, that that can just give you some innings. Uh, But when I looked at uh, some of the, some of the batted ball numbers, Brett Anderson is at about a 57% ground ball rate and Mike fires is at like 38%. Like Mike fires is a fly ball pitcher. Mm-hmm. and fly ball pitchers do not tend to do well in Miller Park. I think that's also partially yeah. why the Brewers traded him back in 2015. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, he gives up a bunch of home runs because he's a fly ball pitcher, and, and putting him at uh, in, in Milwaukee it may not be the the best move for, for both sides. And, and, like, at that point, I'd just rather bring back Anderson because it's probably a similar price. They're getting similar production. But Anderson's a ground ball guy, and, and I'd almost rather have him back uh, than Mike Fires. And I realized that as I got towards the end of writing my article about Mike Fires. <laughs> and Brent Anderson's just so darn likable, too. I mean, oh, yeah. He, he is one of the better uh, Twitter guys that we've had as a player by far. Oh, like, yeah. Snarky, he's just got my level of snark for Twitter. Yeah, it's it, it's perfect. What what are some other good Brewers Twitter personalities? It's got to be uh, Josh Lindblom's. Uh, he's just a nice guy on Twitter. I'll yeah. give him that. Like he's engaging. Yeah. Um, obviously Brent Suter's Brent Suter. Yeah, Christian Yelich for a little bit. Now he's kind of not very active on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember back during uh, the initial quarantine and the shutdown, like I made like a, a spreadsheet or whatever of like quarantine houses of Brewers players and just oh, kind of yeah. split a whole bunch up. I accidentally put in Adrian Hauser twice and I omitted Josh Lindblom. Um, oh, that's right. And he responded. He's like, I guess yes, I'll just be did. by myself. <laughs> I felt so bad. Oh, man. I, I went in and I like changed it or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, I put in I put in Adrian Hauser twice, apparently. Because Hauser's in like houses two and six, I think, or something. And, and like one of them was supposed to be Lindblom, but I ended up writing Hauser again. And it, yeah, like I, I felt so bad. And like I almost thought about like just like house seven, Josh Lindblom, like all by himself. <laughs> but 
Yeah. That means that Josh Lindblom does pay attention to the account. And for that, Josh Lindblom, we thank you. Yeah, we do. He does follow us. That's so, true. yeah, we we should try to get him on one of these times. Oh, come on, buddy. All right. Yeah. We're reaching out. If you're listening, I'm because I'm sure you are. We'll yeah, be I'm, reaching. Our people will reach out to your people. Yeah. And by our people, we mean us. Exactly. <laughs> we are our people. Yeah. It's a, there is not a extensive production crew behind us. Nope. Nope. Unless you unless you count my three imaginary friends. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh man. Uh, yeah. So also uh, during this week, MLB Network has been uh, revealing their top ten right now lists, and the first one up was relief pitchers. And of their top 10 right now, the Brewers had two on there. And they, they are the two that you would expect, Josh Hader and Devin Williams. Uh, but their placement on the list is a little peculiar. The reigning National League reliever of the year, reliever of the year, is only third on the top 10 right now. Like Third, what? you say? So yeah. who is in front of Devin Williams on this list, David. Well, it was Liam Hendricks, who was the American League Reliever of the Year, which, okay, fair. I can take that. Mm -hmm. But then Drew Pomeranz at number two, who is in the National League. Like, Drew Pomeranz lost the Reliever of the Year award to Devin Williams, so he clearly isn't the best right now because Devin Williams won it. But... Pomeranz goes up there first. And That's, I asked I asked Mike Petrello about oh, his yeah. <laughs> list where, where he had uh, Williams third. And I'm like, how is the National League Reliever of the Year not top two? And he gave a very snarky response. <laughs> yes, he just, did. <laughs> he's just like, I don't know who won the NL Reliever of the Year because I do not care. Like, you know, <laughs> re- like awards are just whatever I'm looking at. The future, you know, I'm looking at, I'm not worried about the past. I'm worried about the future. I'm like, what? First of all, you know who won that award. Like, like you, like I get if you don't care about it, but you know who won it. Mm -hmm. And second of all, the fact that he just won it this year should be a pretty good indication that right now he is one of the top guys and like the top guy in the national league. So I don't know. It was a little too much snark for me, but I mean, he he probably had a bunch of people there questioning his list. Can't imagine why. We're (laughs) looking at the now. If I remember correctly, his list had Nick Anderson second, correct? Instead of oh yeah, his list might have yeah yeah. I think I think it did. So and again, Nick Anderson was very good last year as well. I will give him that. But oh come on, the the Drew Pomerantz over Devin Williams. That one really got to me because if if you look at the numbers, Drew Pomerantz had I he had a very very good season and in fact I remember as I was looking at possible reliever of the year candidates, um, Drew Pomerantz had a zero ERA up until I want to say it was like the last week where he finally gave up some runs, uh, but once that happened, that popped his ERA up to a one point four five as opposed to Devin Williams' nice shiny point three three ERA. He pitched 
um, almost 10 full innings less than Devin Williams, only 18 and two thirds to 27 for Devin Williams. But of course, the advanced stats, um, Devin Williams, 53% K percentage to Drew Pomerantz's 39.7. And then Devin Williams with a 9% walk rate, which, you know, that was at least a little bit more human. But then Drew Pomerantz was up at 13.7. So, I mean, everywhere across the board, Williams is beating Drew Pomerantz. And also, if you were talking about the future, and again, you know, not Petrello because he didn't have Pomerantz that high, but for anyone else, Drew Pomerantz is 32 years old. Like he's, <laughs> he's not going to, at some point he's not going to be maintaining these numbers. Whereas Devin Williams is just starting off and potentially only getting better. And so if you're talking top 10 right now, how is it not Devin Williams? Come yeah. on. Like, I like mean, he's- Dale, he was the most dominant guy in 2020. Like, like He's there's a- never been that much sheer dominance by a pitcher, you know, with, with, with one pitch, really with both of his pitches. Like, he dominated everybody and everything. And, yes, there's only one year. And you can look at these other guys, and they have much longer track records where you can say, like, okay, like, this is legit. And, like, you don't want to rate, like, a flash on the pan, like, one of the top right now. Because mm-hmm. they, you know, Devin Williams really just kind of shot out of nowhere. Like, yes, he was a second-round pick. But that was all the way back in 2013. He was never really high on any sort of prospect list. You know, he just kind of turned things around in 2019 uh, and, and had some decent numbers that year. But he just shot out of a cannon. He, he came out of nowhere in 2020. Like, at the, at the end of summer camp, he was just kind of like a fringe roster candidate. Like, oh, yeah, you know, he might be a, a bullpen guy. He might be up and down, you know, all throughout the year. And then he just kind of turned into this dominant guy that didn't give up anything. And, you know, I, I get if you're kind of concerned about that, but, you know, it, it shouldn't, like Petrello said, like, it's not about the past. It, it's not about, you know, what you've previously done. It's about what you're going to do and, and and what's coming forward. And for Williams, you know, he doesn't have a huge past to go off of, whereas some of these other guys like a Drew Pomeranz might be getting up there simply because of, their past, you know, because because Pomeranz turned in a really good year as a reliever for the Brewers in 2019, and that's what really got him that big contract with the Padres, um, and that's I, I think really what what's vaulting him up to the top two right now. But like like Petrello said, that's in the past. Like you got to look at going forward, and I, I think there's a lot more to like with Williams going forward than there is with with Pomeranz, but. I, th- I think we're slightly biased in favor of Williams, too. I mean, did we get friend of the podcast, Pitching Ninja, looped up in this outrage? I can't remember. <laughs> but he, uh, I know you yeah. know where he would stand. Yeah. I mean, he, he's also a fan of, you know, guys like Pomeranz and, and Nick Anderson. But, I mean, Devin Williams has his own pitch, you know, nickname. You know, Drew Pomeranz doesn't have a nickname for one of his pitches. Nick Anderson doesn't. So I'm that I'm aware of. No. So Whatever. yeah, and then Josh Hader all the way down at tenth. You know, he he won the NL Reliever of the Year award in 2018 and 2019, um, and he didn't turn in a, a bad year by any means. It wasn't his best, but he didn't turn in a bad year, and and he's all the way down to tenth. Uh, Hey man, if if 
Drew Pomeranz can be ranked ahead of Devin Williams, then anything can happen these days. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah well. I will say one that I noticed to go non-brewers here that was a little surprising to me was when they released the catcher one. And uh, Salvador Perez, uh, Kansas City Royals catcher, was all the way down at seventh. And this is a guy who made all-star games every year from 2013 to 2018, um, did miss 2019, but um, won the Silver Slugger at catcher last year again um, as he was able to play, uh, Was uh, did receive a vote or two in the MVP in the American League and all the way down at seventh. Like that one, I, I guess, was one that kind of got me a little bit. So I don't yeah, know who's right. coming up with these lists, man. Yeah, and Omar Narvaez wasn't on that list. A complete snub. Like also how, how do you how do you not have Omar Narvaez? Maybe two years ago, Omar Narvaez. I might have. Made it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Was he on the 2019 list? I don't know. I don't know, but. He certainly doesn't deserve to be on this list. He had no. an awful year. No. no. Maybe maybe for the 2022 list if he has a bounce back year. Yeah. Um, which you've you've written about how you know there should be a bounce back year in 2021. I was gonna say quick plug for the site. Um, did write an article about uh, reasons why uh, he can bounce back. Um, I, I I struggled at first because he's not quite. Um, he, he's not a stat cast darling, which is, was kind of surprising to learn that after the Brewers had signed him, like he's not a, you know, exit velocity type guy or anything like that. Um, but there was a lot to like there that was mostly based off of huge deviations from his past, um, that happened in 2020. So not to go ahead and spoil it for everyone, go ahead and go to the site and take a, a, a read, but I think there's a strong case that, um, Narvaez can have a much better season. I mean, he did have that track record. He's young. Um, and again, maybe this is just the hopefulness, but, um, clearly he's done it before. And so he's got a good chance of doing it again. So, yeah. and we're going to need it if we don't sign a lot of other guys. Yeah. So really just kind of, you know, Omar Narvaez, hopefully he can bounce back in, in 2021, but if not Mario Feliciano, 2022, yes, uh, my boy. But yeah, he he should be ready by then, and and we'll see what what Narvaez does uh, going forward. So uh, definitely check out that that article there on Omar Narvaez's bounce back uh, in 2021 that Matt wrote. Check it out on the site, and I think that should be a good spot to end off for uh, for this week's episode. So be sure to check out the site, reviewingthebrew.com, and and read up on all the latest news and, and our latest articles up there. And, you know, just kind of stay tuned as, you know, the Brewers are showing some signs of life in, in the front office and they're going to have some more moves to make over the coming weeks as we head into to spring training. And we'll cover them. We'll cover them all for you here at the at the Cold Brew podcast at reviewingthebrew.com. Uh, so stay tuned. Thanks for, for listening in and we'll see you again uh, next week on the Cold Brew podcast.